This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we're back with the Invested Podcast. We're back. Goofing up last week and we Life didn't get it done. crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have I have still not been feeling well in case anybody couldn't tell from the last one where I was like a complete ghost slash drunk person slash hit in the head. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so to recap, I, you have had COVID now for how many Oh yeah, days? I wasn't actually drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I'm COVID free now, which is great, but I've been feeling not good uh, and at times very, very not good for like nine weeks at this point. I've kind of lost track, but I think it's somewhere around that. So uh, yeah, we don't have to talk about that too much because we've talked about it before and I'm feeling more energy this week. I'm now measuring my time in weeks rather than days. You know, it's not like I'm going to be feeling better tomorrow, but I have been feeling a little better each week. And I think the challenge here um, for me, it's kind of a a strange experience because I really feel like my investing practice helps me with this sort of thing in terms of looking at something long term, thinking about it like um, instead of like there being a goal, it being just about the experience and trying to make myself feel a little better all the time without pushing it out too much. And it's going to be. I think a long recovery, like months, kind of you know, long if, recovery. If you're an athlete um, in your life, I mean, like a serious athlete, maybe a quasi pro or something like that, you build into your body a kind of a certain knowledge, I think, a, a little bit. And it, it makes it easy to go back to being in shape. You know, like mm. your body gets back in shape quicker. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. And I, and I think, you know, the fact that you're in physically good condition helps you in some ways fight off stress that other people have. I mean, you're, let's say less, your immune system might be better or something like that. How do you think being an investor helps you with this kind of stress? What you said that you thought that your practice influences how you're, you're dealing with things. Well, an investing practice is all about doing things right now today that are only going to bear fruit two years, five years, 10 years, 50 years from now. And that's a great point. And so to me, this recovery process, and believe me, I am not, I'm working on how to do this. This is a real learning experience for me. So, um, yeah. And my, my thoughts are not fully formed on this, but I have good days and bad days. And I know there are a lot of people with chronic illness who really relate to good days and bad days. And, and people not seeing that they're ill because it's inside and it's not shown in some way. So my good days and my bad days right now are mostly my brain. Like the fatigue is is there, um, but it really shows up in like my thinking ability. I start to get like fuzzy and foggy when I do too much. And so the way I'm starting to think about that is, okay, I have to do 
a little bit, but not too much. And with investing practice, it's the same for me. I need to do a little bit, but I need to not burn myself out and quit. I need to not do so much today that then I um, don't have the energy to pick it up again tomorrow or the next week. And it's really about creating longevity. So it's a real challenge for me because I feel like I should be able, should, should, the worst word in the world, should be able to just get better. And my doctor said to me, um, you know, people don't, like in Western medicine, we think like we're just going to bounce back. We get sick and then we bounce back. And like, as soon as you're quote unquote, not sick anymore, you're supposed to go back to work and just be normal. And it really doesn't work like that when you've had a long illness. And she said, it's kind of like, basically like people, you know, back in like the 1800s used to go to the seaside and convalesce and take time to get better. And she basically said, that's kind of what you need to do as much as you can, maybe without going to the seaside because of the situation in the world. But it's going to take maybe a long time to get back to where I was. And so like, literally, I, I mean, you've been great because you've been sort of talking me down. (laughs) I, I, um, I can walk for 10 minutes outside and that's very exciting. And I get tired at 11 minutes. <laughs> and, well, I've and been talking sounds, you down. That sounds ridiculous. No, no. Like you, you've been saying like, don't push it, you know? Cause right. I was like, it's I've, so ridiculous. I've been ridiculous. talking you down like that because no, I know I don't mean as you get older, as you get older, you, it's, it's really hard for somebody like me. I've been, you know, I was effectively a professional athlete for 13 years, right? I'm on four years in the military with special forces and then um, at least partially that was special forces and then 10 years as a professional river guide working down in the Grand Canyon, you know, rowing 25 to 50 miles a day and, you know, doing this over and over and over again. I, my my body was equipped to, to, you know, for physical work. And then I got older and you get out of shape and then you try to get back in shape. And if you go too hard, if you, if you go at the level that you know you could in the yeah, old days. Yeah, that your brain is telling you can do. Your brain is telling you you're not working hard enough. You know, you're going to be forever getting in shape doing it like this. And you push a little past a point and bam, there goes a back muscle. Yeah. Or bam, there goes a knee. Yeah. I've had all of those things happen, you know, and it's just like, oh my gosh, you just set yourself back so far when something like that happens, when you push too hard. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a such a right-on analogy for investing. Yeah, man, you can push too hard. You can push too hard. And bury yourself. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like what that brings up for me is not the practice. That brings up for me pushing too hard by buying something that you're not ready to buy or you like desperately want to own something because you just want to own something. And I know so many of us feel like that right now. And so you do, but... You know, it might not be the right choice or the right time. You might not know enough about it. And that's um, a recipe for disaster. So the the incredible challenge, which I have no solution to in life, <laughs> is how do you know what's where the line is? How do you know what's too much and what's too little? When to push and when not to push? And yeah. that's, I think, the challenge like of life in pretty much every, every arena. And, um, all I can say is that with this recovery, what I'm doing is trying to 
add a little bit and um and not get too excited and really push. So today I, I walked for 17 minutes, which oh, may good. have been too much, but mm-hmm. I won't know until Well, let me tomorrow. ask you a question. In that 17-minute walk, were you happy and having fun all the way? Or did you start to feel like, oh, this is starting to get to be work? Yeah, no, it was okay. I, um, I, like, I tried not to get too far away from home so I could just get back home pretty easily. But then I got to the point where I could have gone home and I decided to go around a little bit more. And, um, and when I got home, I was tired. Like that was definitely, so the last bit was, I was was a little tired. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I just was a little, I started to feel like it's not my body because my body is getting better. My body's still pretty strong, even though I've been in bed for two months, which is like the most muscle destroying thing you could ever do. But my my head gets fuzzy and tired, so I think I that's the key. I mean, I, that's how I would I would now looking back on years of working out and years of working as an investor, I would I would say probably the key thing is that you you watch your fund meter carefully, especially at the beginning, and uh, obviously working out. You know, as soon as you start to push hard, you know, you, obviously your muscles are 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 getting fatigued and that's when you're going to get injured. And so <clears throat> I would say something like that with, with investing is that you should really watch the fun meter carefully. Mm, fun. You should be F-U-N. enjoying F U N what you should be enjoying what you're doing. Um, even when it's new to you and even when you don't think you will, you should be. And that would be a key to not only how much you're doing, but what you're doing it on what company you're spending time on, mm-hmm. right? If you're not spending time on companies that you really enjoy, that's really starts to be work, you know, oh, and absolutely. save that for later, right? Save that for down the road when you're running a fund or something and you really have to dig or into Or when weeds. you've like done a lot of work on stuff you enjoy and then all of a sudden it actually would be really interesting to learn about utility companies all of a sudden. There you and go. you know what? There is that point where all of a sudden it's like this happened to me a few times where I'm like, oh, I actually do want to learn what giant industrial conglomerates do. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, let's find out about that. <laughs> that would have never been interesting before, but the knowledge builds and there comes a point when it's useful to know those things and that's what makes it interesting. So take it, take real seriously this idea that you should remember from, from Lee Lu, you know, we've talked about Lee Lu here, um, fabulous investor, 30% compounded for two decades or more. And who is one of the only people Charlie Munger has ever given money to, to invest for him. And Lee Lu said that investing is a process of self-discovery which I find so fascinating because you sort of made that point from the time we've started walking Absolutely. into this together. Absolutely, yeah. This, this process of self-discovery and magnifying what you love. Mm. He really makes this point. It's about what you love and about understanding yourself well enough to know what that is mm. and then magnifying it. Isn't that just exactly yeah. what you've come to in this practice concept? Absolutely. One thing I've been thinking to myself about some companies lately and I haven't been able to think a lot. So I've been trying to kind of like figure out what to do. Um, But the question that keeps arising in my mind along those lines is, do I want to go on this ride? 
do I want to go on this ride with this company? Mm-hmm. Is this who I want to be living my life with? Because when mm-hmm. you own a company, you do live your life with them. And it is mm-hmm. a ride of like the ups and the downs and the how does lockdown affect this company? Like you're, you're, how does anything affect this company? And, um, and uh, I'm always thinking that out, like, and it feels like an up and down of a ride. And so I have with the companies that I own and the companies that I have been thinking about, I've been thinking like, do I want to be on this ride? And, and, and his way of saying that is, do I love this? Do I want to be magnified? Do I want this magnified in my life? Yeah. So how do you know that? I mean, one, one, one thought that jumped into my mind is that like, do I, did the idea of going and visiting this factory or this, yeah. this retail shop, did the idea of visiting these guys and, yeah. and getting my hands on the actual process that they use, is that exciting or is it, uh, I don't really Yeah, but more that. than that, do I want this to grow in the world? Do I want to look at this thing that they make or this service they provide and hope that there's 10 times more of it coming up? In our world. Very good. That's the ride that that I want to be on. Very good. Yes. Ten times more of it in the world. That's a, that's a really nice concept. That's, a, that's such a nice concept. And then you dig in. and Because if you really like it, if you really think this thing is really cool, you know, you love, you love those burritos to beat the burrito <laughs> horse once we'll again. Never let go. <laughs> I'll never burritos. let go. You know, if you, if you love... Um, the clothing, you know, the designs that these guys have, you know, Melissa just, you know, for many, many years, just thought Ralph Lauren was the best designer in the world. And I got to tell you, I mean, going into the fifth Avenue store in New York city into the Ralph Lauren store is so cool. I mean, it was just back when he was the designer, it was just like the the coolest thing. If you like that kind of clothing, Mm -hmm. because you're surrounded by the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right? They made it a lifestyle thing. And so when you go in there, you're experiencing this sort of hunt, you know, the, the, the sort of Virginia hunt world polo lifestyle that he's got all over the walls and, you know, and the clothing feels that way. You know, and if you don't like that stuff, if you think, ah, that's horrible, would never wear those clothes, you, you have a miserable time getting to know Ralph Lauren and his company, right? It yeah, be fun. yeah, yeah. I also right. think, um, I'm curious what you think about this. There's also a difference for me between companies I want to magnify, companies I want to live with, and how do I say this right? Companies that are going to do well. Like I can look at a company and think, that has a shot at doing well, and I understand why other investors own it. Other investors I respect, by the way, but I don't want to be involved with it. I just don't want it in my life. I don't, I mean, to say it again, I don't want to go on that ride with that company. And I can't, I, I have not come down on whether or not that's actually a good way to go. Because as an investor, I do think there's a certain level of like separation and it doesn't always have to be so personal. But I also don't want to be supporting companies that I don't really think are going to go anywhere, even though I can still see the investment case. I don't know. And you don't want them to go anywhere. No. You prefer that they not go anywhere. um, You don't want to see them magnified. Well, there's some, even though there's there's a great investment case. There are some that are sort of, I'm sort of neutral on, right? 
Um, maybe I don't hate what they do, but I don't want to be involved with them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, that, that's an that's a good a good thought because if we stayed tightly to Lee Lu's idea that to be a great investor requires that you know yourself, know what you love, and then expand that in 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 your investing life. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, if you really are neutral on something or ambivalent, you you don't love that thing, yeah. And you're you're basically outside the strategy. As soon as you start to work hard on something you don't love, you're outside the strategy. You are now in that area where it's work, in that area where if this thing goes down, it's going to be stressful. It's not going to be fun. You know, it's not a restaurant you want to own more of when the price is getting lower. You're mm, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the key right there. Cause it is you know, going to go down. Right. So it's going to go down. If sometime. it's going to go down, am I going to be, uh, able to remember all the reasons <laughs> why I loved it and everything or am I going to be as as a dog and I should have been out of it a long time ago exactly and we're all I won't tell you right now you're going to own companies like that because it's you know we we can infinitely trick ourselves and so kind of one of the critical things is to know what you don't know okay that's sort of the Warren Buffett view of it know what you don't know which is quite difficult it requires quite a lot of of self-awareness um, and you have know, quite a lot of humbleness and quite a lot of skepticism about what's going on in your own head. I mean, you can pretend you know, and it's really yeah, easy to for do For sure, it. for sure. Especially when you, think you really want to own this thing. So, I mean, to the degree that you want to own a company, it's very easy to start pretending you know. I'm going to give you an example, like Tesla, for example, would be a company that many of our listeners would love to own. I mean, the guy is... is you know, has has done something most people would have said is impossible to take on the big three automakers, much less the overseas automakers, design, build, and now become profitable. Tesla is now profitable the last four or five quarters. Unbelievable what Musk has done with that company. So here's the thing you want to own, you want to love, you love it, you love it. You drive a Tesla, you've got the wall, you know, you get the wall battery, and you, you, life is, oh man, Tesla's going to change the world. You want to own it. Yeah, but but is it a good investment? I mean, can yeah. you're going to do the work and find out that, yes, I really want this to go down because it's such a good price here where I want to buy it, right? Yeah, Whatever. well, maybe that's a, a, like, maybe there's four categories. There's the category of companies that you don't like and aren't good investments. There's companies you don't do like and want to be successful, but don't meet the investment criteria like Tesla. There's companies that um, I, that you don't really like too much, maybe don't hate, but they're like, whatever. But they do sort of meet the investment criteria. And then there's the companies that you love and meet the investment criteria. All right, I'm writing these all down. I love well, to make a just, matrix. Yeah, it's just a matrix. So, so you're, you're basically Boston Consulting Group matrix here. Yeah, I mean, the company I'm thinking of that, which is like sort of a controversial one, is this shopping mall company. And it's Seritage. And I just don't, there's a lot of good reasons to own that company. And I get it. <laughs> but 
I don't really think that I want to support shopping malls going forward and office buildings. And I'm not against it. It's fine. But I've been asking myself if I want to be on that ride. I would say go a little deeper on on Seritage. I don't well, think see, they're this is, literally a shopping mall company. I know, and I've I I know a fair bit about them, but they, yeah, they're real estate, and I've been asking well, myself, they are real like, estate, yeah, yeah. I mean, they make, but they 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 basically build gathering places, and I don't, yeah. So I don't want to like get into it. Don't you want to go to gathering places? No, I don't. That's the point. <laughs> you don't want to go. Oh. We're so, not gathering anymore. We don't do restaurants. We don't gather. No. Again, I mean, do you not want to? I get the investment case, but is this something that I want to be involved in right. for the next 20 years? And I think for me, I don't. Well, look, interesting. You're using the words involved in, right? And then there's another for the next 20 years. And then there's another view, which is, I want to magnify this in the world for the next 20 yeah, years. I want true. this to grow Different bigger things. in the world. True, true, true. Mm-hmm. Um, so which, is it both of those? The uh, You don't want sh- uh, sort of gathering places to grow in the world the way, at least the way Saratage is doing it, or, and you don't want to be involved in that business for the next 20 years? No, I is don't care both? at all if gathering places grow or not. Okay. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's the answer. I don't care. So, and Neutral I don't, and I don't want to be involved in that business of caring. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Gotcha. I don't want to have to care. Gotcha. Whereas somebody else might feel like this is just the most cool business in the world because yeah. they're building the the newest kind of cutting edge multi-use exactly living office gathering restaurant and they own a huge amount of really valuable property and the mm-hmm. business case is there mm-hmm. but there it is there's a, there's so, the value what do you love yeah and then magnify it yeah that's fantastic i really like that i i go back to the thing if you don't want to go and hang out with the business you know that may not be the business for you you know it's like um, but it's also like, like there's also an element of neutrality that's okay, you know? Like but that's, that's where you can get in care. trouble. But that's you where know, you get I in think trouble. That's where you get and in I think trouble. that's where, where what you just said about like, if the price goes down, are you going to freak out? That, that really hit me because yeah, I would freak out and worry that my <laughs> analysis got screwed yeah. up somewhere because I don't truly, like I'm not a true believer, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that's super, super important. I've made mistakes on companies where I really wasn't that interested in what they were turning out there. I sort of had an intellectual interest and I could kind of create for myself. Yeah. But I couldn't bring myself to go and look at it. I couldn't bring myself to go and look at it. And it just wasn't interesting <laughs> enough like to go, go and bother. Like the product or something? <laughs> go look at the product. Go look at the manufacturing facility. Go talk to huh. the guys that are running it. It's like... Mm. I would, you know, I, I would, you know, I would go and visit a Tesla plant in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. In terms of just like how cool would that be? Yeah. I would also go visit a nuclear sub. Yeah. Construction facility. I would, oh man, I would go do that, right? So there are things I'm real interested in that I may, I would like to invest in that maybe are not on sale or maybe you got other issues that that are there. 
but man, staying getting neutral is a bad idea. Getting neutral or going after things you're kind of neutral on, I think can lead you outside your circle of competence, outside yeah, that little that's... canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, because now you're doing it for the wrong reason. Mm. Now you're now doing, you're it, doing for, it for the money. For money. Yeah, right. You don't want to do this for so money. So maybe that's the crux of it. Is it okay to invest for money? Or oh. does that lead you down a road that will end in less money? <laughs> this is great. We haven't talked about it like that before. No, we haven't. I mean, certainly we do trading and we do trading for money. I mean, absolutely. Well, you do trading. Me, I do. And, um, uh, and I know that, you know, Buffett did it for many, many years until he really kind of got too big. Even now he still does, although he's, he's got, a, he's kind of limited on what he can trade. No question. He put some bets down. He put down a $6 billion bet on the S&P 500. So, I mean, he's going to, he's going to do some trades, but, um, I, I don't, I think I separate trading and investing quite, quite clearly. See, I, I actually, not to get off on a tangent about trading, but I don't really separate it. And I don't think that there needs to be a separation because from what I've seen you do, it's always, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you're always running trades on companies that you would otherwise like to own. No. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. So there's where it gets into neutrality. Because it's like I think I can call I if if I may not want to own this company in particular and I don't really want to do enough research on it to know if I want to own it or not. Um I'm in that kind of neutral zone, but I'm fairly confident that in the valuation that I've got on it, I'm fairly confident it's going to go up. I'm fairly confident it's at a floor. So these are trading talk, right? It's at a floor. Mm-hmm. I, I know that there are some investors coming into this thing for certain reasons. Gambling talk. It's gambling talk. Yeah, I've got this. I've got an edge here. Mm-hmm. And if I've got an edge, then I can trade. So that's different. Okay, that's so different. that's different. Yeah. And also I'm not I'm trading well outside the margin of safety. I'm above the margin of safety when I'm trading, so I'm taking risk hmm. that this thing continues to come down or whatever. So, yeah, I don't I I think trading is very different. I think that investing you don't take those kinds of chances. You stay well within your circle of competence and you find your circle of competence by what you love and by exploring yourself. And I'll tell you right now, we, you know, one of the things that we're all experiencing to some degree is a lot about self-awareness during this whole pandemic and through these election cycles and what's going on politically around the world. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stress out there right now and it's really impactful. Yeah. Um, Huge. It's really impactful. I was just thinking about some of the ways you can you know, obviously being away from stress or, or handling it as an investor is super critical. Um, and just what we're talking about right now, loving the business, being passionate about it, ex- exploring yourself, wh- who you are and what you really are caring about, um, helps you so much with stress. When you're neutral about stuff, you can get pretty stressed out. True. Um, so True. that's kind of an that's investing really way to go That's a really big point. That's a really big point. I'm just thinking of other ways people deal with stress that are some really good ways to do it, some really bad ways to do it. I'm thinking one of the obvious ways people deal with stress on a day-to-day basis is to just sit down in front of a TV and veg, you know? 
or to take. Wait, did you next... qualify that as a bad way? I think. Well, <laughs> do it's I need to something my entire life. <laughs> something we probably most of us do. I mean, there's that feeling like I just can't do more right now. I just need to not do something and just be entertained. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Turn the brain off. Turn the brain off. And then at that same moment, I'm going to deal with stress by grabbing the potato chips and the, the, you know, the sour cream. And now I'm, now I'm, I'm maybe not doing all that positive thing, but maybe, maybe it's a neutral thing with my brain because I'm watching something. Um, but now I'm eating in a way maybe I shouldn't be eating and I'm going to mm-hmm. have a beer and you know, it's and like, and then you stay up too late and then you, you don't sleep yeah. right. And then yeah. the next day is damaged. And then you don't feel creative. Not that I, I have any f- personal experience with any of this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, that's a kind of, that's a fairly common way of dealing with stress that has, that creates more stress ultimately. Yeah. Right. right. So what are, yeah. what are some ways that, that create less stress, I mean, that, that we could do? Oof. Um, well, I think, <laughs> I was thinking about this beforehand because everybody's so stressed out today and this week in the world. And uh, I was thinking, like, well, how am I dealing with my stress? Not to mention just the stress in my body. So what I'm doing is... I am trying to go for a walk every day, which, yes, is part of me getting physically better. But I started to do that actually before I got sick. And it really helps, especially because so many of us are stuck at home, to just like stand up and move a little bit. And some people find it helpful to like listen to audiobooks or speaking of that sort of getting away thing that you just mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. Or, or, um, or, or go with a friend. That's a really good way to be a little bit social if you stay apart, of course. But I personally have found that I need to just be alone and not listen to anything and not walk with anybody. And part of that is I don't want to get, I don't want to walk too fast because I'm so, so, so much slower than everybody else right now. So it's better for me to go alone. But it's also like I intentionally have not been listening to music or anything else because I just want my brain to have a break and observe what's around me and frankly get bored. I want to get bored on that walk and not be thinking about anything other than where I am and being present. And that's what helps me get away. The second thing is... Well, hang on on that one. I just want to add that that um, that's exactly what Melissa does. Oh, cool! Absolutely the same thing. Um, I mean, she she tried meditation and sitting down and closing your eyes for twenty minutes wasn't her thing at all. And I mean, she does it once in a while, but you know that's what I like to do, and that's my thing. But well, that was my she, second one. Is to the oh, med- we'll come back to meditation. that. <laughs> but while we're on the walking, she goes out and. She has really wonderful experiences out in nature. I mean, she tries to observe nature closely. I think it's her way of being present, as you just described, is to look deeply at what's right there in front of her. And, um, and she finds that, that out in the, in the backwoods here is just magic. There's magic right in front of her, right where she's stepping at the deepest kinds of levels. And she, I think she sort of transcends out there. I think it's really good for her. Hmm. 
and she has to do it alone and no podcast and no music and no, no walk, you know, no, no iPod, AirPods or whatever. Yeah. Same, same deal. Hmm. So there's that, there's that. And then there's the meditation. Meditation, which we do transcendental meditation, but any kind of meditation I think is incredibly valuable. It's been really cool, by the way, to see the rise of meditation in the last five years or so. It's It's like, it's so normal now. Like everybody does it. When I was a kid, we were the weirdest, most ostracized kids. Like... (laughs) We really, really <laughs> like did. We like really we did just... take you way out on the extreme, didn't we? Yes. So, so now for Are you to be like, oh, meditation, and people being like, yeah, I meditate every day. I'm like, what? It's amazing. <laughs> I know you've but, been meditating since you were five. Yeah. And people yeah. don't people don't realize that five year olds can meditate, but there's there's five, there's techniques for little kids, mm-hmm. and they're cool. They work. Mm-hmm. But. And I, you know, I always say there's, you can do whatever kind you want. I do think transcendental meditation is, is a really good kind and it's worked really well for me. But you know what I like about it is it's easy. There are other forms of meditation like that are, that are tough. I mean, it, but they may, may be also really powerful. Um, I, I think there's a great, there's a great book out there called Seven Story Mountain by Thomas Merton, where he describes the different forms of sort of communing, you know, with nature or God or whatever. This guy was a, a Catholic priest, you know, mm-hmm. a, monk, a monk, not just a priest, but a monk. And he explored what monks around the world do in terms of meditation and found that this has such similar results, right, through different modes of meditation, contemplative prayer, deep Zen Buddhism, meditations, you know, Hindu-type meditations, all seem to give out a, a similar kind of experience. And in, in the way we're looking at it right now, just in terms of stress release, um, those things are super powerful stress relievers. And I think there's actually a pretty big body of evidence that that's the case now, that sitting quietly, I mean, I obviously know that sleep is a stress reliever. If you can sit quietly for a few minutes and, and go even deeper than sleep, you know, it makes sense that it releases stress. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's that. And I, then I think there's other kinds of meditation. If you think of what is the actual goal of meditation, which is to, not apart from stress relief and all that, the, the goal of meditation we could say would be to transcend your thinking process, to go beyond thinking. And there's lots of ways to do that. I mean, Kobe Bryant would go beyond thinking on a basketball court playing professional basketball and describe yeah, I was it gonna say, like a monk I mean, <laughs> sitting in a Zen Buddhist monastery. Yeah. I mean, Nuno uh, does uses the Headspace app. So he actually does do um, meditation through an app. But his main thing that really helps him is riding his bike, like doing really hard exercise cycling. He feels much better in his head after he does that. I feel like total crap and like... <laughs> I want to kill myself because it was so hard, but you know, to each our own. (laughs) Your hubby's in fabulous physical condition too. So he makes it. (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there are different ways. And, and so I would say to explore that, um, you know, you could realize that long distance runners have a certain in the zone high. Mm -hmm. They kind of go beyond themselves. Long distance swimmers experience that. 
Um, basketball players talk about the zone. Um, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a good movie with with uh, Kevin Costner as this older on his last legs pitcher in the national league, who's throwing a no hitter and he's at inning after inning and his shoulders getting agonizingly sore. And it, literally he's on his last year of playing baseball and he's, he's got these family problems. He's all, he's flashing back to all this stuff. But when he gets it right in his head, it shows visually the wipeout of the entire stadium. It just blurs out everything. It's oh, just yeah, gone. Yeah. Mm. And he's ticking down into this mm. space where he's completely present in that moment when he throws the pitch. I, I just love that kind of stuff because there's just such a spiritual, powerful thing that we now, after 50 years of this in, in the United States, 50, 60 years uh, in the United States and Europe and around the world, have come to realize that, that you know, this concept that is well recognized in the eastern part of the world in asia india um throughout oh the concept of, the of transcending world, to uh, uh, as, a, another as state. an important part of life hmm. as a very important part of life it's so fun to watch it go mainstream i mean i'm watching country western guys like sturgill simpson sing a song called like i think it's the name of the song is turtles all the way down and it's a reference, okay. <laughs> this is country. It's a reference to this, I believe it's a Hindu myth that is the world is sitting on the back of a turtle that is sitting on the back of a turtle that is sitting on the back of a turtle, oh. on the back of a turtle, on the back of a turtle, on the back of a turtle, <laughs> infinitely on the back of a turtle. <laughs> and Simpson is out there exploring these, these various means, including drugs and religion mm -hmm. and buddhism he's singing a song about all this exploration you know he said i've seen jesus in a burning lake of fire you know i mean just you would have never heard something like that 50 years ago from a country singer right mm -hmm. so this this idea of exploring consciousness and, and spirituality is deep out there now it's really cool yeah really cool yeah yeah you're, you're mainstream now girl <laughs> <laughs> so we just want to say to everybody on this week of stressful weeks take care of yourself we're trying to i'm trying to as best find I can. what works for you find and then what apply works. it to your practice and remember that that being apart from stress is critical to rational thinking and good results um and you don't separate rational thinking from what you love in your life. So we're bringing in that quality of love and self-understanding uh, into this package that creates mm -hmm. a great investor. Yeah. And I think the question of whether or not investing works without... Does investing work if you're going for the money? <laughs> I think that is an intriguing question. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's take that. We'll up think sometime. more about that one. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, everybody. everybody. It's good to day, be back. Boy. Have a wonderful day. Don't forget to go play. All right. See y'all. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. 
So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.